So it's been a week and I have to apologise. I've been suffering with a cold and last weekend I just didn't have much chance to actually breathe properly. So recording a podcast was relatively secondary to this. A couple of topics. I have been reading a lot in the media and also playing with a little bit ChatGPT. And ChatGPT seems to be at the perfect time where certain experts on artificial intelligence are no longer the, the cognizant ones that are making the commentary. It's just regular YouTubers talking about their experiences with ChatGPT. I've been playing with it periodically, and one of the things I did recently with it was ask it who I was, with the view that if it knew anything about me, it might have well gathered that information through something that I could actually access to get a sense of how it was being trained. There was a media report published that it is using Wikipedia. My inclination is to test things to see if they are actually Wikipedia-based. And when I asked ChatGPT who I was, it said that I ran a Birmingham games design studio and I had a project called A-Life, which I've worked on for many years. And the thing that that seems to come from is when I did Floss Weekly in 2009, I went back to Wikipedia. It doesn't have Floss Weekly entries anymore, so it would have had to have tracked one of the links that has all the Floss Weekly episodes, which is the only way you could probably find my information. And in that thing, it called Noble Ape a life project, which I guess the algorithm just put together as being a life. And interestingly enough, also, when I ask it about um, the name of my former project, Noble Ape, it has a very good narrative associated with what the comedian claimed the origin of his use of the term Noble Ape was, but not anything to do with me. So it remains internally, at least, in some degree, coherent to itself, which is kind of curious. This Birmingham game studio writes pool, as in the ball and stick-based game, and other relatively interesting games, which obviously have a UK-centric market. But it was funny because it was very insistent that I was actually the owner of this company. I thought, well, what does your reality need to be in order to make that the case? That strikes me as being particularly interesting. So, well, not particularly interesting, but at least worthy of a topic in a long funk recording. The second topic, and I'm going to phrase this very carefully because I don't want to make this podcast into a political podcast, far from it, and I don't want to bring any unnecessary uh, focus to the individual who I met up with. But I met up with a listener recently and his wife, which was wonderful. I don't get out and socialize enough. I'm a hermit through most of my existence, and the ability to actually go and meet people is a, a joy in my life, a small occasional joy in my life, let's just say. At the conclusion of the conversation, the gentleman's wife was a school teacher, and my wife has some interest in being a school teacher. And no doubt that will our next social gathering actually is enabling her to talk to a co-worker of mine or a former, well, no, a co-worker of mine. Let's just call him what he was, and uh, talk about her ability to go to university and do various things associated with that. Anyway, at the conclusion of the conversation, the topic came up associated with arming teachers. And this has always struck me as a particularly curious conversation. Now, I did have a cult at the time. And although the cult wasn't really impacting me, I didn't come back with my usual Second World War history example. But there is a good example in the Second World War associated with what was the Amer Americans might call it the Cup Scouts or the Scouts or whatever, the Hitler Youth that were loosely based on that had a movement from the Hitler Youth to the Waffen-SS, which meant at the end of the war, certainly by the time of the D-Day invasions, there were a number of child soldiers that were actually stationed particularly around the areas that the British had to go into, not so much the Americans. It's really on the edge of social thought associated with what this meant, that uh, the Nazis were actually weaponizing their children, which 
if you know anything about Nazi ideology, the children are the future. So the notion of weaponizing your children, I found very disturbing when I came across it. I have a book, uh, I have a series of actually Cub Scout related books, and I have a couple of Hit the Youth related books, which are very similar to the Cub Scout books. I don't think they had badges specifically, but they certainly had, you know, building fires and camping and map reading and all the other stuff that the Cub Scouts do. And uh, it's a pamphlet, basically, produced in 1941 associated with weaponizing the Hitler Youth, which I always found rather curious. It was the topic of conversation occasionally in Australia, because, you know, the Scout movement was basically a paramilitary force. And this was very much the case. Anyway, when the British soldiers in particular, I don't think any GIs actually came into the combatant reach, although it is a subject to the end of Band of Brothers that uh, the gentleman realizes he has to kill teenagers but anyway, the conversation associated with the psychology of killing children is very difficult. And it's something which I think even hardened soldiers find difficult when they're actually confronted with children with weapons. And that psychology strikes me as being incredibly powerful and something which, if you were to arm teachers, they would have to deal with. That would be the, you know, most of the people that shoot up schools are adults, but some of them, a fraction of them are children. So that was the first thought that came into my head. And the secondary thought was associated with the ability to actually shoot straight, which is incredibly difficult, particularly with handguns in moving situations. The police have done various testing on this. In fact, I've seen third-party documentaries associated with how difficult it is to actually track a target and fire upon it and put positions of stress and not hit innocent bystanders, which is the often the the problem with regards to the police force that uh, the folks that get shot aren't always the criminals. So these two thoughts came to mind a day or so after actually having the dinner. And it's so rare that I can give an example from the Second World War that I have some you know, experience of, or at least some experience investigating when I was doing the London 1940 development. Anyway, that's a long funk for today. Tom Barbell in Las Vegas, Nevada, signing out. <laughs>